This podcast is brought to you by DeMarini. Are you ready to join the uprising? More than 150 programs around the nation have, including back-to-back Division I and II national champions, Oregon State and Tampa, and Division III national champion Keene. Log on to demarini.com backslash dnation and check out the Voodoo Minus 3 to see why the SC3 alloy is the most powerful and durable performance alloy on the market. It gives you the pop you need to go long because chicks don't dig the ground ball. The Uprising, coming to a ballpark near you. Welcome once again to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, joined this week by Aaron Fitt here at the World Headquarters in downtown Durham. And when Aaron Fitt's on the podcast, that can mean only two things. One, we're going to talk nationals, but no, that won't happen this issue or this week's podcast. Or two, much more likely, a college podcast this week. And Aaron, welcome back into the new podcast nook. I think we got some technical difficulties figured out here at Baseball America. And it's our first in-house college podcast of the season uh, coming going forward, especially as we get closer to the February 21st uh, start date for the 2008 season, Aaron, we're going to have podcasts every week, 13 weeks in a row on Mondays after we do our top 25 rankings, and then, of course, every week in the postseason and as events warrant. But uh, this is our first top 25 podcast, and that's because we have our first, our preseason top 25. So first, welcome back to the podcast, and second of all, uh, what's, the, what's your... What are you most excited about for college baseball in 2008? Oh, it's hard to pick just one thing, John. I mean, I, I think uh, it's going to be a terrific year for, for, the, for the sport of college baseball. Uh, uh, I look around the country and I see a lot of talent. First of all, I see, especially on the mound, I see an awful lot of premium pitching. I mean, looking at, the, at our preseason All-American team, which we were doing the other day, uh, it's amazing to me how many pitchers I think are really deserving of being uh, on one of those three All-American teams. And there's not enough room for all of the really elite arms, in my opinion. And there also really wasn't consensus because there's so many pitchers, I think, who are similar. So many good arms. There's there's a lot to look for. There's so many changes in college baseball this year. But uh, we've talked about those. Actually, we talked about those in our last college podcast a couple weeks back in Philadelphia. And uh, so much has changed on the political landscape since that night Mm -hmm. when we were podcasting during the Iowa caucuses. Uh, we won't talk about that in this podcast, but we will dive right into the top 25, the college preseason top 25. And, Aaron, what jumps out at me uh, first and foremost is the Pac-10 uh, dominance at the top of the top 25. First off, the Pac-10 has won back-to-back national championships thanks to Oregon State, uh, you know, which really were the first Pac-10 championships since 1998 with Southern California. But the Pac-10, you can look at uh, any variety of things. In our conference report cards, Pac-10 didn't come out as our number one conference. I think we think that this year the Pac-10 is top to bottom and going to be the best conference. You you can argue any other years, SEC or ACC or Big 12. Actually, I don't think you can argue ACC. (laughs) I haven't won in Omaha, so uh, it's hard to argue them. But the Pac-10 this year looks so strong, and four Pac-10 teams in our top 10 not to mention our top 25, led off by the UCLA Bruins, number one first time in the history of the Baseball America poll, which goes back to 1981. So I don't know where you want to start in there, but riff a little bit off of the Pac-10 and how good we expect it to be this year. Yeah, I think it's it's unquestionably uh, going to be the best conference in the nation. And I think it you know it goes beyond just those four teams. We'll talk about maybe this later. But, um, I mean, I think it's also a deep lead with teams like Stanford and California and, and Southern Cal also uh, as, as, as potential regional teams, in my mind. All three of those teams were definitely strongly considered for our top yeah. 25. I don't know if you, where you'd put them, 26 to 30, 26 to 35. 
all three of those teams were strongly considered for our top 25. It's very fair to say that. So it's it's a great league, and, and you know, I think we went out on a, lim- a little bit with UCLA at number one, and, um, you know, I've had a couple of coaches wondering, well, you know, these guys weren't in Omaha last year. What have they really done? But you know what? Uh, we're trying to predict here. That, that's, that's our job. I mean, if you wanted to go by last year, then you could just look at our postseason top 25 at the end of last year. Exactly. Uh, this, these are new teams this year, but in UCLA's case, They've got all the talent back, except for Tyson Brummett, really, from last year's team. Uh, I think they're going to be better on the mound this year now that Gavin Brooks is, uh, has emerged as, I think, a, a bona fide number one starter. I mean, that, that, that guy, you know, as a freshman left-hander last year... He's a stud. Was, was, ...was outstanding down the stretch. He really came on. He didn't miss a start for them all season long. Uh, he was dominant in regionals. He was really dominant against Cal State Florida in the Super Regional in, in a tough luck loss. This guy was a National High School All-American in 2005 as a junior. He was by far the top talent in the city of San Diego, which is great high school baseball. He had shoulder problems as a high school senior. That's why he didn't get drafted. But as you indicated, he was durable last year. He had outstanding stuff in the Cape Cod League and a short look in the Cape. I think we are very bullish on Gavin Brooks, and I think we have lots of reasons to be bullish on Gavin Brooks and it's not because uh, it is because Gavin Brooks is good, and he was at his best also in the Super Regional. He pitched very well in the Super Regional against Cal State Fullerton. And I think the you know, Fullerton, to me, uh, the Fullerton experience and George Horton's experience, and just Fullerton being Fullerton, is the biggest reason why they pushed past UCLA last year in the Super Regional. UCLA was the more talented team. I think we both agree with that on I, paper. I think so. Now it's up to UCLA to translate that talent into on-field performance. And last year, when Jermaine Curtis got eligible, they went from 8-14 and and not really a confident team, not a team playing up those capabilities, to an extremely dangerous team. And I think we believe that team, with some freshmen they have, the depth they have on the mound, uh, and their position player talent, is going to take that next step from tantalizing talent and performance around the cusp of being great to making that next step to being great. And really, these guys are are either right on schedule or ahead of schedule. I right. mean, this team, you know, they made regionals two years ago when, when, this, when this core group of juniors were, were freshmen, guys like Curtis and, and, and Brandon Crawford. Um, you know, these guys, they were all playing freshmen. Ryan Babineau, uh, they, they made regionals as a young team then. I think to make super regionals as really a young team last year, you're relying on young pitchers. Right. Um, you know, that, I think that's ahead of schedule. I think this team is really poised to, to make a run all the way to Omaha and maybe the national championship. If you look at them talent-wise... And, again, on the mound, I think they're going to be better uh, because Brooks is more experienced and ready to be that guy because Tim Murphy is more experienced. I mean, that's, there's another left-hander with, with dynamite stuff. 14 strikeouts at Arizona State the last best, year. The best-hitting team in the nation, for my money, Arizona State. I mean, and they didn't strike out very often. Right. Uh, those aren't just a bunch of swing-and-miss guys. That's hard to do. And granted, they lost that game, but it was still an right. impressive performance. Uh, but, but Murphy, you know, he said – Early, early in the last season, he wasn't really didn't really know how to pitch, and he's already made a lot of progress. He's he's more confident in his stuff. And you throw Charles Brewer on Sunday, a guy who didn't even pitch last year because of mono. Right. Uh, he had a, he was very strong in the Cape Cod League. Showed I think what a lot of people expected he would show as a freshman. Those are three, in my mind, very good starters. They've got plenty of depth with with freshmen like Brad, uh, Rob Rasmussen and. and and Klein. And not going to find a bigger bigger Rob Rasmussen fan than me. So I love not. Rob Rasmussen. And, and, and the lineup, I think, is one of the best in the nation. I mean, I, I would say Miami might be a little more dangerous, but UCLA's probably got a deeper lineup than Miami. Um, I think it's a more dangerous lineup than Arizona State, as good as the Sun Devils are. So, uh, 
you know, this is a, a lineup that's balanced and athletic. I don't think it's more dang- power and speed. I don't think it's more explosive. I think it's steadier. I think it's a deeper lineup, one to nine. And if they grind out a bats the way they should, right. I, think, I think a lot. A couple things on with UCLA because we do have Arizona number two, and Arizona is extremely good, extremely deep on the mound. I think we think those two teams are very, very similar. Um, both teams better positioned than some of their other rivals in the Pac-10 to really be uh, take advantage, I think, of their pitching depth in the compacted schedule. Every team will be playing four and sometimes five games a week. Uh, you're going to have to play four games a week minimum, and four times a week you're going to have to play five games a week to play 56 in 13 weeks. That's just the way the math works out. It's very simple. But I think UCLA and Arizona are better positioned to do that than Arizona State and Oregon State. I think both teams have a little bit more complete lineups. I think what kind of the edge for us, I think really, Aaron, UCLA versus Arizona was UCLA strong up the middle. A little stronger. And actually, I, th- I really think if you're pointing to two players, uh, you want to see if you it, it, will UCLA make good on this prediction and have a great season. The, the biggest keys, you don't want to oversimplify, but the biggest keys are Ryan Babineau and Brandon Crawford. Their catcher, their shortstop, two three year starters, two guys who came into UCLA with a lot of accolades. Brandon Crawford, a guy who had a great regular season last year, really struggled in the Cape, does swing and miss a lot, but ceiling wise, this guy could be a special guy. And Ryan Babineau, we, we gave UCLA the edge up the middle over Arizona, and that was really the tipping point for us of why UCLA ranked first and not Arizona. I think you're exactly right. And like you said, Arizona, um, I think, maybe has a little bit of an edge on the mound. Not a big edge for me. They, but it They is, do have an edge. I do, agree. They do have an edge on the mound, but I think UCLA, I like, like UCLA's lineup better. Um, and, I, and I do think that they're an, an explosive lineup. I think guys like Crawford in the middle of the lineup. Curtis is really an igniter at top of the lineup. Gabe Cohen. Withers is another guy. Uh, who, who really makes things happen to the Real two holes. Table setters, really, the top of the lineup. Curtis and Carruthers are outstanding table setters. And then you've got Crawford, and you mentioned Gabe Cohen, a freshman All-American who's got big-time power in that lineup. Cody Decker, who, who just got uh, had, was torrid at, during the Pac-10 he season was a last year and carried yeah. that team. And these guys are, are they are explosive. It's not just a, a balanced, deep team. No, I agree. They, they do have explosives. I, I think Arizona State's top four or five hitters are better and anyone else is in the Pac-10. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Even Arizona State's at number nine with this kind of talent. Uh, we're talking about Ike Davis, Brett Wallace. Uh, you know, this is a this is a very talented team and three of their top four pitchers back last year. But for me, they had to rank behind Arizona, uh, Oregon State. And Oregon State ranking at number seven. This is in tribute to their two number one uh, finishes, their two back, uh, championships. Also in tribute to the talent they have back but also a recognition of just how much they've lost yeah. from those two championship teams. For them to win the title last year after losing that rotation, I think they were fortunate. I really think that's the word to use. They were fortunate to get into the postseason. Then their confidence, their talent, their uh, leadership from the guys like Mitch Canham and Darwin Barney is what carried them to the championship. Now they're without both a, that, that core rotation, that one of them two years ago, and then last year, they, they did lose very key pitchers of Dan Turpin and Joe Patterson and Eddie Coons, basically their postseason bullpen right there. Uh, and they replaced them with very talented but freshman arms. Right. I think the, the combination of that loss of leadership and those bullpen arms is why we only have them seven. I think it's a tribute to how good their program is just now. It's a program. It's not just a team. It's a program that year in, year out now, we expect greatness out of Oregon State. And I, and I think there's plenty of reason to think that they'll – 
you'll be back in the hunt. I mean, it's it's pitching a defense has always been the key with Oregon State, and yeah, they've had some hitters like Cole Gillespie and, and Jacoby Ellsbury pass through, and um, you know, but but this this is really a a pitching and defense outfit, and they've been strong up the middle all three years they've been to Omaha. Yep. They're going to be strong up the middle again with Joey Wong at, at shortstop and Garrett Nash, Garrett Nash uh, who, who you know, Oregon State might not have penciled in right now as their starter second base. I, I bet you he will be, uh, if not on opening day, then very soon because this guy is an electric player. He could be your pre. He could. Uh, he might be my preseason pick for Pac-10 freshman of the year. I can't think of a Pac-10 freshman. Who's got more impact ability to impact the game great. right now? Step in, top of the order presence. One of the fastest players in last year's draft. This is a guy a who's getting pick, turned down a team. Yeah, this is a guy who's getting all America votes from scouting directors as a true freshman. He hasn't even played a game. Hasn't yet. played a game yet. So I mean, their expectations of this guy are high. Then you've got Chris Hopkins in center field, and we saw what he can do defensively in Omaha last year. I mean, he he saved them a, a number of runs, I think, with his terrific defense. Those are range. three dynamic players there, and up the middle, Hopkins, Nash, and Joey Wong, and then you know right. we'll see how. Replacing Mitch Cannon behind the plate, both his bat and his leadership and his rap lyrics will be very difficult for the right. state baller. But, but they like Ryan Ortiz behind the plate, a guy who hasn't really had a chance to prove himself yet. And again, you're right, the leadership is the key thing for me. That's why, um, you know, the swagger. They definitely they def- they Darwin Barney was the was the uh, his picture should be next to swagger in the dictionary. I mean, that guy carried himself like he never expected to make an out. He never expected to miss a play in the field. He never expected his team to lose. And that team completely followed his lead in Omaha in the postseason. Right. Very impressive. So, I mean, and I think Joey Wong has a little bit of that in him. He's going to have to maybe develop that a little bit more this year and be that leader for them on the infield. Um, and But on the mound, I mean, look, they've got Jorge Reyes back. The, Absolutely. Your, your most outstanding player in the College World Series as a freshman last year. The reigning year. mop. You've got Mike Stutes back. Uh, a four, you know, a, a senior who's who's been around for a couple of championships now. I mean, those two guys alone, it's it's an outstanding start on your on your weekend rotation. And then you throw uh, an outstanding arm like Jake Peavy on Sundays. Greg Peavy. Greg Peavy. If boy, they had Jake, Jake Peavy, Peavy, they'd be stuck. That, that would put him over the top. He did I pitch. In, he did pitch in Oregon, I believe, in Portland uh, in his minor league career. No, well, you're right. I think of him more as a mobile guy. But uh, Greg Peavy, Joey Osich out of the bullpen, Tanner Robles, uh, Kevin Roderick. Four really impact freshman arms. That that that's Roderick in particular is ready to step in right now and be that closer. I mean, Pat Casey, uh, you know, mentioned just the other day that he's got no doubts that that kid is ready. He was born for this role. So Pac-10 good. Uh, Cal's got Tyson Ross and David Cooper, a couple of All America type guys. Stanford's got its best team in three years. I think I I'm think pretty so, convinced that. And and Stanford, if they both they had Jack McGeary, they'd be a top twenty five team. Ifs and buts or candy and nuts. Uh, every team could play that with their. Uh, with their recruiting class, but uh, boy, Stanford, I think, had a lot pinned on Jack McGeary. Uh, Southern Cal, uh, I think a team, outstanding sophomore class, maybe the best shortstop in the country in Grant Green. Uh, see if the Hector Robagos and Brad Boxbergers and Robert Stocks and those guys right. can, and Green can take that next step from freshman to sophomore, but they return their entire weekend rotation. That's a team, Southern Cal, that we had penciled into our top 25 for a while, um, and were, they were kind of a late scratch, but it was a tough decision. I mean, I think we were a little worried maybe about the, the pitching depth. Um, I mean, we like the front-line guys, obviously Boxberger and, um, you know, fun to say Tommy, Tommy Malone and, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, Ryan Cook, I think those guys are, are quality arms. I'd like to see a little more of a track record from Cook and Malone uh, to live up to their talent. Right. But uh, and there's a couple of questions in that, in that lineup, but it has the potential to be a very good lineup. I mean, you, if, you put if, a C.J. Ziegler of Arizona or a Cody Decker kind of, of UCLA in the middle of that lineup, that's a top 25 team on paper. Who will come through? Will Nick Buss, who was 
solid for them last year, but will he capitalize on what he did last summer as the Alaska League's top prospect and really having a great summer in the Alaska League? Will Nick Buss take that next step and be the leader that offense really needs? They need an impact bat. They need to score more runs. Yeah. They really falter down the stretch last year. Their offense was a problem for them, especially down the stretch last year. Speaking of offense as a problem and staying in the West, you got San Diego. you got three other West teams in the top 25. Let's keep it on the West Coast tip for a minute. San Diego at 11, Long Beach State at 13, and then Fresno State at 18, Aaron. Uh, San Diego, all kinds of pitching back. I, I guess it's really San Diego and Missouri uh, for the best front-line starters in the in the country or front-line pitching. Arizona is certainly in that mix. I think mean, if you're looking best staff in the country, San Diego and Arizona are probably going head-to-head I'd give the edge to San Diego for best front-line and for best staff. Top I would, to too. I mean, this team has got so much pitching depth, it's, it's not even fair. Ricardo uh, Pacino is like their seventh pitcher, and he would be in, I'd say, 18 out of 25 weekend rotations. I agree with you. I mean, this, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous just how much depth they've got, and it's going to be such an advantage for them with a compacted schedule to have guys like Matt Thompson and Kyle Blair and Sammy Solis, you know, available to throw if they want to during the midweek. Um, you know, and, and they've still got their freshman All-America closer and A.J. Griffin, who right. might have been the, the most valuable player in that team last year, uh, kind of under the radar. Uh, I love the front line pitching with, with Kyle Blair and uh, I mean with, uh, with Brian Mattis, Brian Mattis and, and Josh Romanski and Matt Couch, the veteran senior guy on Sundays. Uh, pitching, you know, I, I believe pitching will carry this team. I worry about the offense losing uh, their three best hitters, really, from last year, Jordan Abruzzo and Shane Bashini and Justin Snyder. Yep. Um, they're going to rely a lot upon freshman corner bats and, and Victor Sanchez and Stephen Copang. But here's one thing to keep in mind. John, I don't know if you and I have actually discussed this yet, but uh, it's Hoyas Donecipher. Uh, One of the best names in college baseball. Buddy. Not on their roster right now. Okay. Uh, did find him on a JUCO roster. Okay. So, um, I think maybe it was an academic issue. We'd have to look into that and ask those guys. He's one of the um, best names in junior college baseball now. So Hoyas Donecipher. There you go. But I mean, that, that's the guy they were, they were, I think, counting on uh, to step in maybe in right field for them. Um, that's not going to be the case. They do have Ryan Davis coming in from Vanderbilt. Uh, I think that's a big addition for them. Uh, as as a, as a you know a four year guy who's been around who can who can maybe add some experience to that lineup and they've got a couple of guys back but they don't have a lot of explosive bats back to get to Omaha and look this is a team that had a great regular season last year then went two and two in a regional to get to Omaha San Diego is going to have to find some offense or they have to win a lot of three to one two to one four to two kind of games yeah and that's hard that's a hard recipe to do a, a, Long Beach State is a program that does that a lot. And that's their bread and butter. And Long Beach State's checking in at 13, Aaron. But Long Beach State has not gotten Omaha since 1998. Uh, they've had a lot of great players. And this is a team that's got, that produced Troy Tulowitzki, a program that produced Troy Tulowitzki and Evan Longoria and Bobby Crosby. And, I mean, they, they've had some players Jared there. Weaver. Yeah, absolutely. They, but they, they've been such a pitching and defense-oriented team. They haven't, unlike Oregon State, they haven't found that guy who could make plays for them offensively or that guy or, or – Won enough of those one nothing. Hey, like last year, Oregon State's getting no hit by Zach Putnam in the ninth inning. They get a hit, they get a run, they win. Uh, you've got you, they haven't had those breaks. And Long Beach State, I think, is this is their best club. It looks like at least in the last three years, yeah. where they have offense, they have defense, they have pitching, and they don't have one star player. They don't have a Tulo or a Longoria that you look at and say, "Man, that guy's going to carry them." Uh, I think everyone knows about Danny Espinosa, their shortstop. He was on Team USA last year, but 
He's not even their best position player. Shane this is a, Peterson. Shane Peterson is their best position player. He could hit. He could pitch. This is a pretty complete ball club. What do you like about Long Beach State? Why are we picking them, not Cal State Fullerton, to win the Big West? Well, like you said, it's a complete ball club. And it's a, it's a ball club that I think overachieved last year. Right. And Mike Weathers would be the first person to tell you that. Um, but, you know, and they've got most of those key ingredients back this year. I think staying healthy in the mound will be the key thing because last year they did not stay healthy in the mound, and they somehow won despite that and, and found their way to host a regional, um, really just attesting to the incredible job that those that coaching staff did and, and that, amazing those pitchers did. Um, it was an amazing season. Considering Vance Worley got hurt and Manny McElroy was out for a while. And well, they kept doing it early, we thought, well, this will, you know, then they had get an injury. It's like, well, this fairy tale probably won't continue. But even with every injury, they just kept adjusting that was the epitome of a grinder ball club, the epitome of a dirtbag ball club. 2007 right. was a great year at Long Beach State. I really do think yeah. they're poised, Aaron, to build off that and be better this year. I agree with you, and I think that they also will have a little more firepower offensively. Uh, a guy like Peterson, I think, could take that next step forward this year. Um, I think all the pieces in, are in place for Long Beach. I think they're very dangerous. And, and one thing that struck me was talking with uh, with San Diego's coaching staff this fall. They played Long uh, Beach. They played Long Beach State for three games in that uh, that Fall World Series out there. And they said that this is, you know, one of the best teams they've seen in Southern California in a long time. And this is just the fall. Take it with a grain of salt. Right. But uh, they looked really good. Um, and that struck me. I think Long Beach uh, will be very dangerous. Other team people in the West seem to be talking about, and this is like the West Coast podcast here at Baseball America. We'll just touch really quick on Fresno State's got all kinds of pitching. Uh, talk about their top two starters and why people should really know. They need to know who these guys are going forward. Well, they really need to know the entire weekend rotation at Fresno State because last year Clayton Allison was their Friday guy, just an innings eater for them. He's not dominant or overpowering, but uh, he's he's a guy who's been around. I mean, those kind of guys will, will win you get a lot of games in college baseball. Guy who's not going to get flustered when it's second and third one out. Yeah. He's not going to panic. He's just trying to make pitches and execute still and, and get you through that inning. And he'll probably pitch Sundays for them this year because they've got Justin Wilson. Um, and, and you talk about Justin Wilson. This is a left-hander with electric stuff. Who, live, live arm. Who, who uh, you know, he'll walk some guys. He'll get himself in some of those second and third jams like you're talking about. But he's got a knack for getting out of those situations with, with a big strikeout or a big double play. A lot of movement on his ball. Um, I think he's a, you know, and, and he had a very good year last year, especially in conference play for Fresno State. Um, I think he's a weapon on Fridays. And, and then Tanner Sheppers, uh, who probably will pitch Saturdays for them. Um, Might be the biggest arm in college baseball. Really, really insane stuff. And we're talking 94 to 97 with life. Uh, he's got an outstanding slider. I mean, keep an eye on this guy. He could. I think he's, he's a, a guy who could very easily sneak up into that first round, maybe the top half of the first round. Right. He'll get a chance to showcase himself early on uh, down in San Diego at that USD tournament. Um, I think he'll probably go head-to-head with uh, uh, one of those Missouri guys or, or one of those San Diego guys. There's some really good pitching matchups down there. So uh, keep an eye on, on Fresno. I mean, and this is a team that also has uh, this entire infield back from from a you know the two ton defending uh, WAC conference champions. Uh, they, they bring back their entire infield. They've got a lot of experience. Yeah, they've got some some freshmen. They're going to be relying on the outfield. They also have Steven Sussdorf back, uh, the best hitter on this team the last couple of years. So uh, you know Fresno State maybe a little bit under the radar. Um, you know, but uh, I, when I when I stack them up with Cal State Fullerton, John. And then we can talk briefly about Foden because... Yeah, we probably should wrap up this half of the podcast yeah. and come back with another one tomorrow because we're getting long. But let's 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 talk a little bit. Let's finish up on the West and come back tomorrow and cover the rest of the country. Cal State Fullerton, John. Uh, not in our top 25. Conspicuous by its absence. For the first time in 10 years. 
And, um, you know, and we've heard about it a little bit because it's, it's Cal State Fullerton. We, we understand that they're in Omaha seemingly every year. Four out of the last five. And, and I'll be honest, when I sat down and first did my preliminary rankings back in early December, um, I had Fullerton penciled in as in that 15 to 20 range. But then I started stacking them up head-to-head with one team after another. It started when I, when I stacked them up with Fresno State, and I said, I don't like their talent as much as Fresno State's. I like Fresno a lot better on the mound. Uh, I think Fresno has more proven commodities uh, in the lineup. I right. think Fresno is the better team. They were in a regional last year. I mean, it's you know, it's not like this is this is a club that's coming out of nowhere. And um, yeah, and I see this a criticism of us a lot online, Aaron. And when we look at things too much from a pro standpoint or a talent standpoint, this and that, and the other. You know, Cal State Fullerton's last national championship was one in the year where they uh, had more players drafted than anybody else. I mean, they had fourteen players drafted. Yeah. That's the team that won a national title for them. Talent. Wins. You don't. You don't win a national championship just scrapping your way there. Oregon State. Yeah, they don't have. Uh, they have. I guess they haven't had a first round pick. They've had a lot of single digit picks. Well, Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury was on the championship right, team. Right. I mean, but like Mitch Canham, second round pick, I believe, or first round supplemental pick. Uh-huh. Uh, Darwin Barney was a fourth round pick. Mike Stutz was a ninth round pick. Uh, the year before, Nickerson was a single digit pick. Dallas Buck with a bad Kevin, elbow. Kevin Gunderson. Kevin Gunderson was a seventh round pick. You win with talent. You can. And last year, Cal State Fullerton wasn't overly talented. They got to Omaha, but guess what? They didn't have a good year. Certainly not by Titan standards. Um, they got to Omaha. That made it a good year. But their regular season was pretty average. And this team is not a whole lot different from that team on the field. And, in fact, uh, I think they actually are more talented this year. But it's going to take some time because they lost – that's the, that's the they're they're I mean, veteran they, guys who were the best players on that team last year. Nick Mayan at first base, uh, John Curtis, their senior catcher, uh, Clock Hodman in center field. They they lost. West they lost Homer, good players. Of course, they're really the heart soul of that pitching staff. They're for two years. years. I mean, you know, this is this is. Uh, you're right, and and and, and Dave Serrano thinks that talent's going to be actually better this year. I think they are more with, talented with Gary Brown and Christian Colon. I like those guys a lot. I'm a huge Gary Brown fan. Let the record show. I think Gary Brown is a stud, and he'll play center field this year. Uh, I'd love to see him get some some run at second base, see what happens. I think Christian Colon is exactly what they needed, a shortstop who can come in, hit the ground running, make the plays. Uh, I think a lot is riding on those two freshmen and a guy like Chris Davis, who was supposed to be an impact freshman for them last year but did not quite pan out. And Dave Serrano is, uh, again, saying that Chris Davis had a pretty good fall. He showed some things. I think he needs to step forward because – you know, we, we ranked Cal State Fullerton's recruiting class, I think, as a top ten class a, a year ago uh, because mostly of two guys, Nate Bridges yes. and Chris Davis. And Nate Bridges is no longer on the team. Did not play last year. Huge hole in their lineup. Shortstop was that, academically that, that, that really hurt them. And, and Chris Davis didn't really produce. So, um, you know, that, that they, they're counting on, on Chris Davis, I think, to take a step forward. Uh, they do have pretty good depth on this team. I like some of the newcomers, like the Chevy Shimas and the Komatsus. These guys, I think, will, will, will figure in here. I think they'll be okay. I don't, I don't think Lionel will be overpowering, and, and I worry about the pitching staff after Jeff Kaplan. I think that there are some potentially good pieces. Adam Jorgens has had a nice career as yeah. their closer, but he's never been a guy where they just put him in a spot and left him alone because he dominated that spot. He's a good, solid pitcher. That's what he is. And that's the thing. They, they just This is not a team that overwhelms us with talent. That's why they're not in the top 25. Michael Morrison could be a good Saturday guy, but... I mean, he needs to do it. He had a six-something ERA last year he's as a probably, freshman. He's probably the number three guy in that, re- in that recruiting class after Davis and Bridges a couple of years ago. Yeah. Lob was expected of Morrison, and last year he had ample opportunity because their pitching was 
uh, really unsettled all year. So uh, one thing for Morrison's sake, and this is not any kind of knock on the previous staff, but uh, Dave Serrano is a pretty good pitching coach. Yeah. I, I think that's the, the bottom line is I will I expect Fullerton to be in the mix when it's all said and done. They're Fullerton. They did lose George Horton, who is as good a coach as there is in college baseball. They replaced him with another guy who's in that mix in Dave Serrano. Took Irvine to the championship to the Cobble Series last year. Uh, not the championship series, obviously, but to the Cobble Series. Dave Serrano has as good a resume as anybody in college baseball right now. But it, it's just not, to me, all the pieces are just not quite there. I, I look forward to the Titans proving us wrong. But we have legitimate reasons for why they're not in the preseason top 25. And, and I think they'll be better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning of the year. Right. Um, again, Dave Serrano thinks that they're going to be very good at the beginning of the year. They're going to have to – you know what? They'll have a chance to show it right away because it's a tough schedule early in the early going. Um, and, and you know what? And I think that'll be a, a key a key indicator for just how good these guys are going to be. I, I think, you know, again, I think this team – I'm not saying they're going to be a bad team. I think they're a regional club. They I just missed the, num- the top 25. I think they're the number two team in the Big West. Yes. And that's a that's a good league. That means they're a regional team. That league should always get four teams. It almost always only gets three. To me, it's a four-bid league, or it should be. Um, and I think we're very confident Fulton will be in the mix. I bet they'll be in the top 25 for sure this year. Um, but, uh, but at the outset. Right. I mean, if you, if you stack them up to our number 25 team, Old Dominion, I will take those three guys, Anthony Schaller and, and – you know, Dan, Dan Hudson. Hudson and Dexter Carter. I mean, those three arms are better than, in my opinion, anything that Florida's got. I would agree. And that includes Jeff Kaplan. I would agree, and that's uh, saying something. It's, you measure them up with, an, with our number 25 team. Hey, Old Dominion's got questions about their offense that we'll address in tomorrow's podcast, but that's a powerful weekend rotation, and I have a lot of faith in Jerry Myers, who's shown in his days at South Carolina and now is the head coach, uh, when he was pitching coach at South Carolina, now the head coach at Old Dominion, that – he knows how to put a pitching staff together that's going to get people out in college baseball. They might throw uh, a lot of sliders and curveballs, and the pro scouts don't like it, but he knows how to get guys out in college baseball. So does Dave Serrano. Uh, it'll be very fun to watch it all the way through. Aaron, this is uh, this is how Baseball America rolls in college baseball season. We came in here intending to do a 20-minute podcast, and we just talked about the West Coast for 30 minutes. So we're into it. We give a darn. We are passionate about it, and as you can tell, uh, we uh, make our best effort to be as informed as possible. We so. do an awful lot of research when we compile <laughs> the top twenty-five, gentlemen. I'll, and I'll, I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, and get this in. These aren't these aren't just uh, you know we're not we're not just some some fan message board that's looking at <laughs> looking at teams that have big names and saying, mean, oh, how are the you know. It doesn't mean we can't be wrong. And, I just yeah. I hope that people understand. I, the point I want to convey is that we're going to be as informed as possible in making these uh, predictions, and that's really what these are. And, uh, the, the best thing about it, Aaron, is that uh, at the end of the day, uh, the 60, they don't look at our rankings, they don't look at anybody's rankings. Who gets into the 64-team field, they, they decided on the field. No bowl system here, and uh, that, thank God for that. It all gets decided at Rosenblatt Stadium, where it really should get decided. So, uh, but but uh, we, we do a top 25 for a reason, not to get publicity. That's certainly, I'm sure, why it started. But this really helps us kick off the season, and we, we ran it out there a month before the season started. This late season thing is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of chomping up the bit to get the season started for college baseball. So obviously, that comes through in a 30-minute podcast. So we will break down the rest of the country and the rest of the top 25 tomorrow here on the Baseball America podcast. Until tomorrow, he's Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much, and so long, everybody.